0: Welcome along to episode 146 of the Gersnet Weekly Podcast, a totally free and independent rangers podcast made by fans for fans, where the content is always 100% free. And as we all know by now, it's not just the podcast that we have here at Gersnet, but if you head over to the website at www.gersnet.co.uk, you'll find a whole host of excellent content there as well, including uh, social media, some excellent articles, a history archive, and the very friendly discussion forum as well. So please do head over to the website and have a look if you've not done so already. Uh, It's just gone half past nine on uh sunday the 22nd of august if you're joining us live this evening then thank you very very much for giving up your sunday night to come and, and join us on the show please do leave us your questions your comments there on the youtube stream we've got frankie patrolling and marshalling that and we'll get to as many of them as we can as always the pod will be available for download on a monday morning and that's wherever you get your podcasts from including acast itunes youtube Castbox, stitcher and also on spotify um if you've never downloaded the show before then maybe give us a wee subscribe and a little like and a comment as well as it really does help the show to grow uh, this evening what we're going to be doing on the show is looking back at today's game against Ross County up in Dingwall um, we'll also take a, a, a wee look ahead to Alashkert, uh return leg out in Armenia that's coming up this week and a little run over the state of the squad and the transfer activity that we've had so far my name is Ross Bennett I'm going to be your host this afternoon uh, and joining we've got two excellent guests first of all backed by extraordinarily popular demand uh, it is the the ever popular John McCallum John how are you this evening I'm
1: fine. i well, thanks. Yeah, popular demand. I think that means no one else was available at short notice.
0: <laughs> um, no, no, exactly not. I couldn't possibly say so. Um, I think the, the last time that you and I did a show together, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that that was just after we had scalped Real Madrid. Um, it's been quite a, a few weeks since then. Are you still feeling the same optimism that we all shared that Sunday evening? No. <laughs> uh, yeah, that was the last time I was on. We were... Um, we were
1: playing exhibitions for Real Madrid and um, you were doing shows from hotels and you know, was. life was very different. It was like 30 degrees in Glasgow and um, yeah, they yeah, very different now, unfortunately, but uh, that's OK. I'm still fairly
0: comfortable. Um, and no panic yet. Don't panic. Don't panic. No, exactly. You're right. It was unseasonably warm that day and I had just uh, walked back from Ibrox to the Ibis Hotel in Glasgow City Centre. 30-degree heat and my underwear have only just dried out from all the sweat that I've run out of it. So, um, There's yeah. an image, yeah. There you go. There you go. Uh, also joining us this evening, it's a very warm welcome to the debutant on the show, Gary Valentine. Gary, how are you? I'm not bad, thanks. Excellent. not good. Are you excited to be making your, your debut this evening? Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad to win today. Something good to talk about. Exactly. Exactly. We've had people come on, making their debuts after losses and after old firm scuds and uh, it's never easy. So, no, you're very welcome. Yeah, thanks. Great. Right. Uh, I think we might as well dive straight into this afternoon's game. Obviously, Rangers travel up to Dingwall—a um, fairly comprehensive four-two victory. John, um, it was immediately obvious to me that we'd raised our game. We've had a few performances, um, certainly with Dundee United, with the two Malmö games, arguably even with the the Alishkirt home leg last week. Uh fairly obvious that. We'd raised our game and, and that the tempo was up. We were looking a little bit more fluid and a little bit more dynamic. Are we possibly starting to find that match sharpness that, that we've been that we've been missing so far this season?
1: Yeah, perhaps. Um, I'd maybe take slight issue. I actually think we've started most games fairly well. Um, you know, I think I think actually against Malmo in both games we we started well. Um, you know, we were on top. Um, particularly the game at at Ibrox we were on top and and, you know half time really it was looking like uh, everything was going well and and I think the difference between those games and today is we were playing Ross County and Ross County aren't as good a team frankly Um, we got the two goals um, and again looked like we were coasting and then as we've done this season we switch off we just have a little period where we switch off Um, but I think to get to the to kind of nubble your question, we looked a bit sharper. I thought our passing was a little crisper. I thought our movement was better. Um, things seemed to be coming off that haven't been coming off in the last few games. Um, how much of that was down to the, the opposition, perhaps not being as good um, as some of the teams we've played? I mean, when we played them firmly, you know, again, a, a, a poorer team, we, we, we looked, it was a fairly comprehensive victory. Uh, I think today was a, a more comfortable victory than the score suggested. Um, and at times perhaps um you know when it was two one and um and then three two you know, again you're thinking, you know, this doesn't reflect the match I'm watching. So sharpness coming back. I think that's something that's going to happen um you know as we get into the season. But I actually feel that we've actually started that we started today in the same manner we started most of our games.
0: Um, today it just kinda of came off. Yeah and and well, I guess come off it did. Uh, a, a really impressive goal from from Joe Uribe. John, how impressed were you today with with what he brought to the team? Yeah, I thought this was it was Uribe of
1: last season. Yeah, um, definitely his best game. Um, whether perhaps a mix of getting uh, sharper, um, a mix also of perhaps opposition. But I thought having Kamara back probably actually yeah. helps Arrebo. Uh, I think Kamara does the um, what was it they once described champs as the water carrier. Um, you know, there's a bit of that in Kamara. Kamara does a lot of the unseen stuff. He, he closes people down. He, he takes away the space. And I think that allows players like Arebo to, to, to flourish. You know, the creative players then to, to actually come into the game a bit more. yeah, uh, you know, I suspect we all realise we were missing Kamara, um, for a lot of the games so far this season, but perhaps maybe not quite as much, uh, as we did until you see him playing today. Um, Aribo, his goal was beautiful. What a lovely goal. Um, yeah. His first touch uh, as well, the way he just brought himself around the player um, and the awareness and the ability to, and the, the, it's funny, that, uh, you know, I, I don't, I'm don't. i assuming neither of you are actually at the game today. Apologies if I were, but um, it's a terrible, terrible camera angle at yeah. Ross County. It's just, you feel like it's almost subterranean, you're watching it. Yeah, for the goal, it was a perfect camera angle. You really saw the bend on the shot. You saw the the the, the quality of that goal, um, which is ironic because every other aspect of the game, the the, the pictures are just terrible. Um, you just you despair sometimes of Scottish football. But a uh, beautiful goal. Uh, you know, Aribo had a good game.
0: Um, Bukin aside, he almost had the perfect game. Yeah, no, absolutely. It, it almost makes you, I think you're absolutely right when you talk about Glenn Camara, um, and and we realise what we've been missing and. It really does um, make me kind of rue the the Malmo games um, and what could have been had had Glen Camara been available and not suspended for being the victim of racist abuse. Well, exactly. Yeah, you I mean know, that's that's UEFA. Yeah. Gary, um, speaking of creativity in the middle of the park, we had four goals today from from four different goal scorers, um, and, and arguably maybe not so much last season, but in in a couple of seasons preceding last year. Arguably, we've been a team that's relied too heavily on one man to score our goals. How important and how encouraging is it to see goals coming from from various different areas on the park?
2: Well,
0: that's exactly what I, th- I was going to say. Um, before last
2: season, it was Alfredo Morelos or nobody. So it's uh, such a good thing there's more goals around round the team.
0: Yeah, it is vitally important. Um, Connor Goldson, Gary, gets the the, the second goal. Um it's become kind of a feature of his game, has it not? Of of, of these set piece deliveries coming in and uh, and him rising highest or, or or breaking the offside trap. How important do you think it is for Conor Goldson to, to be getting these goals, but for James Tavernier and Borna Barasic or Calvin Bassey to be on form, providing that service and and putting the balls in the box?
2: What well, to me be, because that's like the, the the main part of our game plan is crosses in for the fullbacks, and if you look at the last few games when I've not played great, the crosses and the box have been poor. That's why we've won these games.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, There's a lot of discussion, I guess, Gary, about whether, you know, do you drop drop Tavernier? I mean, Gerard clearly has dropped Borna Barisic and has replaced him with Calvin Bassi. Do you think that the two deputies in the fullback areas, your Calvin Bassi's and your Nathan Pattersons, do they provide that same kind of quality output for... The likes of whether it's Conor Goldson at a set piece or Alfredo Morelos to really get on these deliveries and attack them. A good debate. I'm not. I'm not entirely sure
2: if it was me, I would always stick with my best players. Who I think at the moment are Tavernier and Barisic. Uh, although I think Bassi is there on merit. I think uh, he's he's like he's took the challenge that Gerards gave. That if you get your chance, and he's took it, so I think he's in there by merit. But um, I think Nathan parts it's been a bit too, a bit too soon for him. As much as I love him.
0: Yeah. yeah, we'll come on to Nathan Patterson in a bit more detail as well in a moment when we uh, talk about this this alleged bid that's coming from Everton. John, uh, how about yourself? Um, do you kind of agree that Rangers are no longer a, a, a club that's over-reliant on Alfredo Morelos? And, and is today a good example of that?
1: It's a good example in terms of who, the number of goals scored
0: um, and
1: being moved around the team. All I would say is I actually thought Morelos had a very, very good game today. Morellas held the ball up so well um he linked up play he was actually involved in, in a lot of our good work today um he gave their defenders no peace um you know he was pulling people over he, he, he kept his composure at all times um I actually thought that was you know it's the best game certainly this season for Morellas. I mean um I felt against Malmo uh, in the first half Morellas looked like he was going to cause them all sorts of problems um, you know he was. He, you really get the feeling where else was up for it. Obviously he got the goal, um, but he was busy. You know, and then everyone fell away in the second half, and, and you know we're not going to go over that again. But do I still feel we're re- reliant on him? I do to an extent. Um, I still think he is our best forward player. I don't think Eaton and I don't think Roof are the same type of player. I don't know enough about Sakala yet to know whether he could be, you know, I think there are similarities and Sakala. seems to be a, a smaller guy, a mobile guy. He doesn't look to have the strength of of Morelos. He doesn't look to have that 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 side um, to him physically, but I haven't seen enough of him to know. Um, you know, he looks like a player who will play on the shoulder, who will get you know, two or three yards space because he's quick, maybe a bit more like Defoe. Than um, than Morellis, so uh, no. To be honest with you, I, I think we are still quite relying on him. We're not necessarily relying on him for goals now, but I think we're reliant on him for what he does—that lets other players come in and, and create space. You know, wherever Morelos goes, he takes two defenders, and and that you know what we we what we did so well last season was you know let Morelos take defenders and, and look at midfielders and the wide players coming in then and and and, and capitalising on that space, Ross and. Mm, to be honest with you, I, I don't think we've we've not got a, we've not got a light for light replacement. You know, if Morelos is out of the team for any length of time,
0: we have to change our tactics. Mm-hmm. No, I think you're absolutely right, Gary. We conceded two goals today, and and I think I'm right in saying that's the third time this season that we've conceded two or more goals in in a match, and that's very very unlike us. Um, there haven't been wholesale changes to our backline. Haven't been any changes to our backline from. The, the back four that was so impressive and so resolute last season. Um arguably poor defending, poor concentration, certainly for the first goal, and also arguably for the okay, the second goal was a penalty. And, and I don't think you can ascribe any blame to Calvin Bassey for giving away that penalty, but the way that the ball was given away, or, the, or that Yanis Hadji loses his man in the middle of the park kind of gave rise to that opportunity. So Arguably poor defending, poor concentration on, on, on both goals there. Does that make you nervous ahead of the week that we've got? Really, we can't afford to be conceding goals in Armenia on Thursday and uh, just a, a small matter of the old firm next week.
2: And I word yes. I'm worried about it. Um, what, what my worry is is that I see mistakes this season that I saw in the first and second season and they weren't there last year. So I'm hoping last year's not the one off. Um, we just always seem to have a a brain fart in your defence and uh, I think we've you could probably count one hand in the last four years how many goals we've lost due to the other team being better and, and all the rest are like it's, it's simple mistakes whether it's not picking up a guy losing the ball in the midfield as you said today um, but Gerard did say that in his uh, post-match interview today that they're working on it and I really really hope they get to the bottom of it because we can't go back to how we were the first and second season because that's the reason we didn't win the
0: league. Do you, what do you think could could cause that? Well, because, like I say, these aren't different players. These are the same players that didn't concede any goals for was it the first eight games of last season? Um, the players haven't lost the ability to defend. So, oh, where are these lapses coming from?
2: I don't know. I think it's it's too easy to say it's the fans coming back. I see a lot of people, even the media, try to make out it that it's, it's the, the fans being back are, are causing us to maybe panic a bit. But uh, I, I laughed earlier uh, after we conceded one of the goals. Uh, I think it was Hadji lost the ball when it went out for a throw or something and the camera zoomed in on him and I was like he looks like he's panicked and there was no need for Rangers to be panicked. We are controlling the game. We lost a really sloppy goal. But I, I, I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if, if he's repeating the defence too much when it, it shouldn't be um, as I said the first and second season they done it with Warrell we done it with McCauley but then they done it last year as well That's I, 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 I don't know it, it could be it could be the fact that just the team's no uh, clicked yet Aribo didn't play a lot of games Kamara's not played a lot of games Roof's not played a lot of games I don't think Barisic has came back fit so I don't know if it's just a case for no, firing on all yet I'm hoping that's all it is
0: yeah, and uh, whatever it is, I think this is the week that we that we need to get that sorted. Definitely. Same with yourself, Gary. Um, some really impressive performances today. We've mentioned Aribo, we've mentioned Morelos, we've mentioned Kamara, who I thought was excellent. Um, Ryan Kent, uh, whilst he didn't get his goal, it was a, you a know, very dynamic performance. Is there an argument to say that we should have brought these lads off a little bit earlier than they did? I think actually on Rangers TV, so Ian Ferguson today was making comments sort of saying, I'm surprised we've no made any substitutions yet. We've got a hell of a long trip to make on Thursday and then to come back and, and have Celtic at home next Sunday. Is there an argument to say these, these lads should have been brought off earlier to get more of a rest? Or was the game not safe enough to do that?
2: I don't think it was safe enough, to be honest. Um, I don't think the bench was had enough strength in it as well. Scott Wright was probably... Uh, on the bench, he could have maybe came on for for Ken, especially. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Possibly, but a problem I've got now is that we've got a a big squad, and he signed new guys, and those guys don't seem fit or ready to come in. But I, I thought that Janino uh, would have maybe been on the bench today. He could have came on and got some some minutes. But when you looked at the bench, there wasn't much there. that I said they could come on. You brought in Arfield and Lindstrom. I don't think they were late for like replacements. So I don't know. players are injured. What players come back? Maybe a bit easier to do that.
0: Yeah. No, I think you're. I think you're absolutely right, John. Uh, I think Gary was was absolutely spot on a few moments ago when when he mentioned that having fans back in the stadium is a kind of lazy excuse for maybe why we'd we'd be having these defensive issues or defensive lapses, but. What was the impact, do you think, of Rangers having travelling fans again today? Obviously, we didn't have any fans when we went away to Tanadice, but there was a very, very loud, very vocal presence of Rangers fans today in Dingwall. Do you think that that had a a motivational impact on the players?
2: Um,
0: You like to think that the
1: players don't require that, but I think it does have an effect. I've seen it have an effect. You know, I've been going to games long enough to see it have a... A positive effect and have a negative effect on, on individual players and on teams. Um, I think the best thing about it was this sense of normality, this feeling of normality, of, of crowd noise, of, um, you know, that that was great from a, a, you know, I wasn't there and, and watching it on. Um, well, watching on, on the laptop, um, you know, it was, uh, it was great to, to kind of have that feel about the place. It was great to see the flags, you know, there was flags there from the borders and people who travelled a fair distance um, to be at that match today. Um, you know, so that was great. I, I think, in my opinion, our away support is different from our home support. I think that away support is generally a more supportive support. <laughs> Um, I think they tend to get behind the team more. I think the, the home support can be harder to please. Um, I think the expectation on the club at home is different from the expectation away. Um, and I think the players respond better to the away support. I think there's a more of a rapport. I think they appreciate the away support, the effort that people have made to be there. Um, and I, I think there tends to be a, a slightly better rapport with the away support um, than there is at home. Um, <laughs> Did it make a difference? Only the players can tell you that. I I suspect it did in that these are all players who grew up, became professionals playing in, in stadiums with an atmosphere. And, you know, for all Ross County you have a small ground, um, you know, it, it, it created an atmosphere. There was an atmosphere today and um, you could hear the support right through the match. Um, and I think that was, uh, you know, beneficial for the team, beneficial for the players, certainly beneficial for for those of us watching at home. Um, it, it's great not to be able to hear the shouts from the players again. You know, it's it just you kind know, of felt for me like another step along the road to to some sort of normality again. Um, and having you know certainly having both sets of fans in the ground today, I, I think it was it certainly improved the atmosphere. Um, and I I feel it probably did. Ross, I think it probably
0: did lift the players. Yeah, well, I, I certainly hope so. I think our travelling support is spectacular, and you're right, it is a, it's a different feeling to the Ibrook support, which is strange because it's, it's the same folk, you know, it's the same guys. But uh, yeah, it was, it, it, yeah, that, that return to normality of feeling everything's back to normal. Rangers are supported by a loud, passionate, vocal, supporting, uh, travelling support. Doing the business on the park, it was, yeah, it was, it was really wonderful to see. Gary, the return of fans uh, means that we've had our first experience of the MyJers ticketing allocations. And uh, suffice it to say, it's not gone down universally well. Um, now, without getting kind of into the ins and outs of MyJers' tiers and points and how tickets are allocated, I, I guess the overriding question is we have so many thousands of fans who want to uh, to, to watch Rangers, whether it's at home or away, And we could have filled that stadium a hundred times over today. Is there a, an easy, fair, happy for everyone way to, to decide how these tickets get allocated? Because there's always someone who's going to be disadvantaged, right? Whether it's the, the older chap who isn't so good with technology and can't log on and do first come, first serve because he'll never be first. Or it's the larger range of supporters club that now have to decide which 10% of their members go and should we organise a bus for that or should we not? Is there... Is there a solution that suits everyone
2: here? I don't think there is. I think we're a fan base size as you say. You can't please everybody, but I, thankfully, I don't. I, well, I don't. Thankfully, I don't have a season ticket anymore. I'm not involved in my shares. But for an outsider looking in, to me, it's like the more money you've got, the better chance you've got to buying a ticket. And it sh- shouldn't be that way. It should. It should try and be a bit fairer. I think.
0: Yeah, John. How about yourself? Is there a is there an easy solution
1: to all of this, Ross? I'm very conscious that our erstwhile colleague Colin um, has 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 publicly stated sometimes criticism, and um, and I can't help but feel that perhaps minor management and rangers watch this program, and have picked up on that criticism, and that's why his rangers TV feeds never work, <laughs> and that's why when he turns up with his smart card to get into the game, he doesn't get in. So can I just say for the record? I think it's a brilliant system. I am very, very impressed with everybody at Rangers TV and at MyJairs and everybody involved with the ticketing. And just keep up the good work, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, be serious. I can remember, I'm old enough to remember when you used to have to go at 8 o'clock in the morning and queue outside the ticket office to try and get a ticket for, for home games, for cup finals, for for uh, games like that. People moaned then, you know, because you didn't get there early enough, you didn't get a ticket. Um, As Gary says, this is is a a perennial issue. Um, In this day and age, it is surprising to me that the club, I mean, the club can, the club can tell, you know, if you've bought, if you've bought tickets for every single away game and paid for them, then I think you should be First in the queue for for tickets for cup finals. I think you should be first in the, t- in the queue for ticket for for semi finals for the games that are hard to get tickets for. I think you should be first in the queue. Um, I understand why they brought in my because it, it obviously works two ways. It, it potentially brings in extra revenue from people who are who are buying merchandise and and, and that side of things, um, and it it maybe helps them. Look, because you probably got quite a lot of people who go to or who buy every away ticket um, and, you know, it still allows, you, you know, games that have been to sell the game. But there's maybe only going to be 800 tickets available. You know, you take away players, tickets and, and, and things like that. There's probably only 500 tickets available and you get, you know, as many season ticket holders as us, that. That's a huge problem. Um, I, I think all they can do is is the guys who go or at least the guys who buy tickets for every game, I think they go at the top of the queue. And when there's too many of them, you just have to figure out some way of, of um, saying, well, you didn't get one this time, you'll be at the top of the queue the next time. Um, I think it's the best you can do. It's a thankless job. I wouldn't like to be um, the person that has to make these decisions. Um, a long, long time ago, when there was human beings in the ticket office who you could go and see, um, my dad and I, we used to bring them in a massive big box of chocolates every Christmas. Just, you know, listen, thanks for your help, guys. It's been great, you know. And, it's amazing how they remembered your face come february and yeah. then trying to get an extra ticket for dundee united away but you know electronics has changed all that so um the, the human touch is no longer there it's a thankless job ross i feel sorry for them um anything that rewards a loyalty you know and i say that now as somebody who rarely goes to away games um you know if there are guys paying to go to these games then 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 i i think they have to get first crack my only my only thing with Rangers just now regarding ticketing, and again, I don't have a solution to this, is it's actually very hard to bring a new person to, to Ibrox now. You know, because we've got so many season digger holders, because it's so it's actually difficult to introduce somebody to, to Rangers games, um, to bring someone along to their first game, or, or you know, maybe someone who's, 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 um, you know, who's an interest in football, hasn't maybe chosen their team just yet, or somebody who's new to the city. To, to actually get them along to games now is, is very difficult. Um, again, I don't have a solution for that. Um, you know, it would be nice if there was a way of of making the ground bigger um, that isn't going to bankrupt us. But uh, you know, that again is probably my only kind of gripe just now. Um, my gers, I suspect it probably won't exist in eighteen months, um, and we'll have gone with something else. It was worth a try. It's probably worth for some people. It, you're always going to have folk who are unhappy.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's that's a fair point. You, whatever whatever the system is, whether it's yeah, fastest thinker first or it's reward points and tiers and loyalty and this and that, you're always going to have someone who's unhappy. I think you make a really interesting point though about how difficult it is to bring a new person to iBrooks and, and availability. And um, I, uh, in two months, I'm turning 30 and I, uh, it's a couple of days after we play hearts at home. And I want to bring... Four or five mates from down in London up to Glasgow. We'll have a weekend. That'll be a you know m- my big thirtieth bash as we come up and and I have no idea how I'm going to find five tickets. I mean, uh, not even remotely close to each other. So sort of saying, right, you're in you're in the Govan rear, you're in the Brooklyn front, and we'll all just have to congregate afterwards because um, I think that that's the only the only chance that we get is maybe sort of showing up on the on the day of the game and looking at someone who's stood outside Ibrook subway station with a, a ticket in the air, but Um, I guess that's part of the experience. John, I'll I'll give you the last word on on the Ross County game before we we move on. And I apologise because we're not planning this question. I'm just going to spring it on you. How satisfying is it to pump Malky Mackay? (laughs) In in a footballing context, by the way, not in any kind of Malky Mackay context. Speaking
1: speaking as Mrs Mackay, um, yeah, I mean... (sighs) He didn't pick up that tan in Dingwall, did he? Huh. Um He's the only guy in the Highlands that looks like that. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, I'd actually forgotten that he was the manager. Mm-hmm. Um, it was only on Friday when I was um, I, I was kind of, reading about the game. I was like, Jesus, he's the it was still, John Hughes. I had forgotten he'd gone there.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: He's a funny guy, McKay, because he had a decent, you know, decent start to his managerial career. He, he, he did look like there was he, he maybe had something down in England and. Obviously, it all went wrong for him, and, and he brought all that in himself. Fairly controversial appointment at the SFA, mm-hmm. um, and now he's at Ross County. Ross County is a hard gig. Um, I know, speaking to some people who have been involved in football up there, that you know they have they have difficulty attracting players. Yeah, um, you know, your your St Mirren's, your um, your your teams based in the kind of central belt um, are usually able to attract players um to, to you know to play for them because they don't have to move house. You know, they don't have to uproot their family. They can, you know, they can remain based in it. Ed- you can you can live in Edinburgh and play for something. You, know, you can travel to for training. You know, you can play for Comalmock and, and live in Fife. You know, I think you can't play for Ross County and live there. You you want to play for Ross County, you're gonna to have to move north. Um so so they have some challenges there. I do have some sympathy for them as a team. You know, if Mackay is out of work by Christmas I'll I i will not shed any tears. Um, I you know. I still have a memory of, of Malcolm McKay and, and Brian Loudrup, um, which you two are probably far too young to have seen in, in, in flesh, but you may have seen it on, um, on, on video since where, where Brian Loudrup just, just leaves him, just leaves him for dead. Um, he was a very limited football player, um, and uh, I, I have a feeling he's reached his, his shelf life as a manager as well. Uh, I don't think he's going to be successful there.
0: No, I think you're absolutely right. OK, we will move on then from the, the Ross County game. Very successful day for us up and thing all this afternoon. Um, before we move on to, to look at Alishker and, and have a little run over the, the state of the squad, I um, just wanted to, to bring an update on one of the partners that we have here at Gersnet, uh, which is footballprizes.co.uk, who at the moment are running um, uh, a raffle or a, a prize draw for an Alfredo Morello signed and custom framed Rangers shirt. Uh, As always, there's a maximum of 99 tickets that are available in the competition. There will be a live draw uh, this coming Tuesday. That's the 24th of August at 8.30pm. It's £5.95 per ticket. As I say, there's only 99 tickets being sold. uh, So the tickets are very, very limited. So please do get moving. Uh, As I say, check out the website at footballprizes.co.uk or also have a look on the Jazznet Twitter feed for the direct link. Gary, before we look ahead to Alish Kerr on Thursday, and and Jazznet podcast will do a a preview show, I'm sure, to to look ahead to that one. it's worth having a wee look at the, the state of the squad as the transfer window edges towards closure. Uh, and you mentioned Juninho Bakuna, um, uh, whilst we were talking about Ross County there. So he's it has been formally announced. He's, he's joined on a, on a two-year deal. Um, it was another one of those where we kept it very, very quiet up until the, the day before it was announced when Gerard kind of acknowledged in a press conference, yeah, we're we'll, we'll probably going to announce a signing tomorrow. Um And that's, you know, I think that's a good thing that Rangers are going about their business that way. Um, So he comes in, he's a a fairly versatile, allegedly quite dynamic midfielder. uh, Lots of Premier League experience. Comes in at a good age. Um, Is this a a good bit of business for you? Uh,
2: All I've seen it from is a YouTube video, the ready YouTube video. But uh, it looks very, very good from from what I've seen. Uh, Probably exactly what we're looking for. Somebody that plays in the final third. uh, I think a lot of players that we sign, like Lundström and that, very similar to what we already have. I think this guy could kind of compete with Aribo and Hadji further up the park. Uh, I just, he's not for a glamorous team, that's the only thing. So you wonder, why was he playing with Huddersfield? But the the thing that we do now is we bring in the, the raw players, the diamonds, and try and shape them a bit. As we've done with Aribo, again, guys like that, Bassey, probably for the lower leagues, so I'm hoping they can do it with him. But, Certainly, if you look at his YouTube video, it looks very, very
0: exciting. Is there an argument to suggest, though, that, that central midfield is perhaps not the area that we needed reinforcements? When you look at I mean, maybe not playing the same role, but Glenn Kamara, Joe Aribo, Ryan Jack, John Lundstrom, Scotty Arfield, um, Steve Davis, arguably, you know, Stephen Kelly. Um, was it necessary, do you think, to, to add another? Do you think he possibly bring something that we, that we don't currently have? Or was it more about adding competition and depth?
2: Yeah, I th- think it's maybe a bit of both, to be honest. Uh, see, really, I-, I think your three strongest midfielders, as it stands now, are last season's players. And that's what kind of worries me a bit launched Lundstrom anyway. I understand he's just in the door. But at the minute, if you picked your strongest team, it's Ryan, Jack, Kamara... Davis probably um, I think Eribo should play further up the park um, same with Hadji so I'd like to see somebody come in and improve the team and I just hope that these guys that they've, they've brought in are and they're not just squad players or give us a bit more depth
0: and, and there have been a lot of rumours Gary about Joey Veerman coming in this summer do you think that this maybe puts that to bed that either we were focused on the wrong target or we were priced out for Joey Vierman and, and this guy cynically maybe was was number two. Yeah,
2: quite possibly. If it's true that it was £7 million um, I, I think being put to the Champions League has hit a lot of things in the head which is understandable we've got to balance mm-hmm. the books don't want us spending spend the money we've not got um, so quite possibly as it's just we went to the second and the last, we went to a, a Europa League player instead of a Champions League player
0: Mm-hmm. John, I think the, the, the question of the Champions League and, and the knock-on effect that that has I think is a really good point um, I would have expected, in all honesty us to have moved someone on by now um, You know, it's, it's been over a week since we were put out of the Champions League and, and I'm sure that that does have a financial knock-on implication are you surprised that we don't seem to be and we'll, we'll talk about Pats in a moment but we don't seem to be getting large bids for the, the marquee players is that a good thing or a bad thing? <laughs> it's a good thing if you're a supporter. I
1: suspect it's a bad thing if you're a director. <laughs> um, well, I think I think you have to be honest and say we don't know if there have been bids. At least I don't know if there have been bids. You know, I, I suspect there has been. I mean, certainly there was talk a few weeks ago about Porto and Morelos. I don't know if a formal bid was made. I don't know if an inquiry was made, if it was all just... Agent talk, media talk, I don't know. Um, it would surprise me if we haven't had some level of inquiry for some of our more obvious players. Um, I suspect the level of inquiry has not been to our, our, our you know, matching our um, valuations of our players, Ross. Um, again, I could be wrong, I don't have any. I'd love to tell you I've got a, a, a mole on the inside telling me this, I don't, I'm just guessing. But I suspect there has been interest and I suspect there may well still be interest before the end of the month. Um, I I think we've probably said to the players, look potential Champions League football, you know, stay, stay just now, let's see if we can qualify. Obviously that's not happened. We need to qualify for the Europa League. You know, it would be it would be really disappointing if we ended up in the in the Euro, European Conference League. Um so, you know, qualification on, on Thursday is essential. So again, I would be quite disappointed if, if there was any business done between now and then. But mm-hmm. after that, you know, again it wouldn't come certainly Kamara leaving wouldn't come as a big surprise with, with what's left in his contract. Um it's it's down to you know what kind of valuation people are willing to put on it. It was. Um, it's been a funny summer, Ross, for transfers. You've had, you know, a couple of eye-watering transfers the down in England. You've had the San San Chan, Sancho, Achoo. Sancho, Achoo. Sancho to Man United and, and Grealish to Man City, which have just been, you know, for mind-boggling amounts of money. But you go down a few levels, and actually, it's it's not a lot of movement there. And, and you know, let's be honest, it's down a few levels where the teams are that. are are likely to come look for our players. You know, teams like West Ham um have not strengthened their side at all so far this season. Um And I think that's the kind of club that's likely to come in for a Morelos or a Camara or a Kent. You know, I think it's clubs in, in you know, the kind of mid to lower levels of the Premier League or, you know, a team in France or, or, or you know, that, those maybe a team in Portugal, those are the kind of leagues that are going to come and take our players just now. I don't think Man City are, are looking seriously at any of our players. I don't think Barcelona are looking at any of our players. In fact, the way Barcelona's finances are, we're probably more likely to take one of their players than the other way around just now. But does it worry me? No. I mean, I'd quite like it if Morelos and Camara didn't leave. I think it would be I you know, as I said, I don't have to meet with the bank manager um about it. But I as a fan, I would rather they stayed. I think there has been interest. I think there'll continue to be interest because they're very, very good players. It's just whether that interest is um, you know, and there's a game of there'll be a game of you know, a game of you know, who blinks first coming up, isn't there? Um and and you know, we we might be forced to to, to to take a, an offer for a player that we'd maybe rather not have taken you know it might not be the, the offer we were hoping for but we might have no choice but to take it and I think as supporters we probably have to be realistic about that um, but until it happens the, the club have been very good or very bad whichever way you look at it but they've been very good at keeping things quiet you know like you, you talked with this Eugenio Bakuna uh, you know I, I was you know I, I had heard nothing spoken about him before he signed. Um, the the chap, um, Jordan, I can't remember his full name, who writes for The Athletic, uh, had reported that we'd signed the young Colombian from Honka?
0: Honka yes, in, in yes Juan
1: Alegria, yeah. Um, so he had, he had reported that we'd signed him, but I've not seen or heard anything official on that. So I'm assuming he either got that wrong or else he got it right, but it hasn't been been made public yet. That it's still maybe just not quite been been finalised. And again, these things may all be down to players leaving. And um, I suspect there's a there's a few things going on in the background that will become apparent in the next twenty next ten days or so.
0: Yeah. What I will say to that is that, uh, and it's Jordan Campbell at the Athletic. Jordan, Sorry, yeah, if, yeah. You're, if you're listening, Jordan, John would remember your name if you were the guy who dealt out the tickets. For ibrooks, but you have no power there. So, Jordan, it not yeah. only would I remember your name, but you would have had chocolates from me at Christmas. I know, <laughs> Start pulling your weight, Jordan. Um, no, I think it's. I think it's a fair point. The thing that worries me, there, John, is that the number and, and Gerard said it after after the game today. I think. Um, I think there was some some fan media were asking questions or had to press access to Gerard after the game and spoke about Nathan I Again, I will come on to that in a second and. And Gerard talks about all of the players have a number. They all have a value. And, and whilst it's not Gerard who assigns that number or, or, or says yes or no, what worries me is that that number, you know, the, the number is X. It was X plus two or it was X plus three or four. But then the champions Z X it happens, and so now it's at X. And then I don't know the state. None of us know the state of our finances because we're, we're not on the boards or, or Celtic fans. And so we, we don't know how much money's in the bank. And, and what worries me is if it's not a lot of money in the bank, then X might become X minus one or X minus two by the time we get to deadline day. And then there's no time to replace. And that, that, that's the bit that, that makes me nervous. Conversely, if you're a, a buying club and you want to sign Morelos or you want to sign Kamara and you have made these inquiries and we said no, because you're offering us X minus four, then it gets to deadline day and they still need a player. Ideally, that the the number rises, but um, that probably shows how out of touch I am with how football business actually works because none of us have any ideas. No, day.
1: if you've watched the those kind of Amazon documentaries um, Sunderland and and even the Spurs mm. one and things, you, you do realise that you know some of it is well planned and some of it just seems to be absolutely haphazard. Just crazy stuff with with agents pulling strokes and guys using clubs to get better deals at a different club and you know and and that clearly is just part of of the foot, part of football and part of football that we don't see um that we are not exposed to and and we just assume that you know a a director of football phones a director of football at another club and says i'm interested next i'll offer you this for them and there's a bit of haggling and then everybody shakes hands and that's clearly not what happens that's not yeah that's not the reality of 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 professional football at that level Mm -hmm. um yeah look i'm pleased we're not selling our players just now i know certainly pleased we're not selling them You know undervaluing them but you're right at some point someone will make us an offer which we will need to accept and you know you just have to have trust in the players that are there and the management and the the team you know there are players just now who are not getting a game and um and perhaps if a player moves on that's the chance for somebody to to step up and show that they should have been getting a game and that's that's all part of it you know brilliant players have left rangers over the years you know players that i shed tears over leaving um, there's no one in the team just now that I feel that strongly about. There are a few I'd be sad to see, but you know they're all replaceable.
0: Yeah. Well, speaking Gary of players that step up and players that we might be sad to see leave. Nathan Patterson, uh, according to the Mirror, I think it was this morning, was was subject of a five million pound bid from Everton that Rangers have uh, apparently rejected. Um, again, after the game today, Gerard seemed to not really know anything about this. He said, oh, I, I only just got told and I didn't know it was £5 million, And I'll ask the question when I get back on the bus, which I don't imagine is entirely true. But um, £5 million pounds for, for Nathan Patterson, is that anywhere close to the right number for you?
2: Um, no, just for his potential. But at the same time, I think a lot of Rangers fans, maybe including myself, rate a lot of our players higher than what they maybe are. Like we don't have a good history of selling players for big money. I think off the top of my head was maybe Alan Hutton, the last player we sold for it wasn't even ten million, I don't think it was nine million. You'll you look at Kieran Tierney who played maybe three uh, three seasons for Celtic before he made his big money move, but they've had history before that of selling players for big money. We've not got that. So I don't think we're going to jump for basically nothing to, say, 20 million for a a top player. Uh, Coming back to Patterson, I think the problem could be that if we've got a really good player who I think Patterson is, we're going to lose him to the big teams probably after just a couple of games and we just need to deal with that because it's the way the football world is. Or like a Billy Gilmore, he will not even get to see the first team and they'll be away. So we probably need to be realistic that if players are that good, they won't be here for long.
0: Yeah, and I suppose it's it's encouraging that a team like Everton would would want to come in for one of our players. But Gary, you mentioned Celtic have a history of selling players for big money, and we don't. I mean, this would be obviously he's not going for five million pounds. But if he were to leave for five million, that's less than half of what Celtic allegedly got for Jeremy Frampon. Which, when you as you talk about potential, that's 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 clearly not quite right. Um, Celtic again allegedly get thirteen million pounds for Chris Ayer in the last year of his contract after having been sort of resoundly embarrassed for twelve months by by this Rangers team. How does that happen? How does a club become good at selling players like that? Is it is it all about media narrative? Is it something else? How uh, how is it that that Rangers? Uh, you are right. Rick, I think I think Alan Hudson still is our record sale at eight or nine million pounds. What's going and on it,
2: Probably for that, it was Boom Song as well, which is probably yeah. four, four years before that. It's just it's something we've just never done. Obviously, it changed days, but famously Martin Bain just paid everybody off. They didn't sell players. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose there's got to be a time where we'll be in a position where we can actually reject a, a bid for a player. But as John was saying, we don't know the ins and outs of your finances. So plus COVID you don't know how COVID's going to really impact us till this year um, so if, if it could be a case of, if 16 million came in for Amorelos or even 10 million came in for Patterson Rangers could maybe be in a position to reject that mm-hmm. but we don't know Can they, because of the Champions League there we might need to and we might need to accept a player uh, a bid for a, a player which we don't really think he's worth but we need the money Yeah
0: John have Can yeah, I just come
1: it. in on that? Yeah of course Um I mean I think we've all looked at this and I I saw the the clip with Gerard earlier where Gerard literally laughs at you know, five million pounds for a player that's played what, twelve games mm-hmm. for us? You know, it's actually you know, it's actually exceptional money for a guy who cost us nothing. Now, I don't think we'll sell Parson for for five million pounds. Um and I think we'd all be disappointed if we did. But at the same time, it's a lot of money for a guy who isn't even on our first team just now. Um and the pressure there on is that Patterson suddenly says, you know what, I'm not actually getting a game here. So you know, maybe maybe I move on. You know, maybe I would like to know what another team is gonna um, maybe they'll give me a game. So so there's definitely some some challenges there with Paterson. Um, the Celtic thing, I think if we can all be honest with each other on the Celtic thing, you, the word allegedly in your and your thing was doing a lot of heavy lifting there, and I think that's probably fair. But what you have to say about Celtic, certainly prior to the last couple of seasons, is that one of the reasons they were getting good money, one of the reasons they're still getting you know decent money for players, is that their players have tended to go on and do well in bigger leagues. Um, the the guy Van Dijk, obviously, is the the kind of standout. One there who you know who's who's moved on from Celtic and you know gone on to show himself to be one of the best centre halves in the world. Um, you know, m- much as it pains me to say, you know, Kieran Tierney isn't a bad player? Um, uh, you know, I, I I did my best to ignore him when he was playing in, in this city, but you know you can't help but notice. You know, Arsenal. He, he's you know he's one of the better players in that league now in that position. Um, the they had the boy. I forget his name. The Kenyan international who went to um, Southampton, and I think they ended up at Spurs. um oh, yeah, also ended up, you know. So, so they have a, they've actually got a reasonable record of um, selling on players at the right age to a bigger league, that and, it, and it's actually going quite well for them. And that's why their players attract better, better fees because there is an understanding in football that actually maybe these are players who who can then move on to the next level. Gary's right. We haven't done that for a while. You know, um, the last player, you know, Billy Gilmore apart, the last player from our club who was actually sought after was Lewis McCloud. Um, you know, and Lewis McCloud was very unfortunately injured, I actually think Lewis McCloud, you know, could have gone on and had a very very good career, but for the fact that he was he, he picked up some very bad injuries. But that's the reality. We are starting at a different level. This is part of. I think this is part of the kind of hangover of our our difficult period where we, you know, our our club was in disarray um, and we weren't buying well and we weren't buying clever players, we weren't buying at the right time. That's changed. Now we're picking up the Aribos and we're picking up the Morellas and we're picking up um, players that we can improve. I think the term Gary used was, you know, was, was players that we can kind of polish into diamonds. Um, and, and, you know, it's going to take a couple of seasons for clubs to, to realise that and, and come and take them and you see how these players go on. Yeah,
0: I think, I th- I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we have the, the two players that, that Gary referenced, there, Alan Hutton and John Alain Boomsong, went on and had spectacular careers. You know, looking at the stats here, Alan Hutton, 51 games at Tottenham, 185 games in the Premier League at Aston Villa. John Alain Boomsong went to, to Newcastle, to Juventus, to Lyon, Good careers, but I, I, you know, I think you're right. The Virgil Van Dykes, the, the Kieran Tierney's, who are the superstars of their team, in in the most glamorous and uh, the most broad- broadcast league in the world. Is um, I would also say that there's a role to be played by the media, and I think Celtic's media relations and PR over the last decade was so strong, um, uh, I, I, and to a degree, you can see that kicking in with this uh, with um, Furuhashi, the, the new lad that they have up front, who the Daily Records spoke of as a potential £30 million player. Right, He's played three games, £30 million. There is a, And, and this isn't me claiming media bias, this is me saying a uh, very, very well-oiled PR machine that, that that talks those players up and convinces people that they must be worth that much money. Probably doesn't help that we've now locked out the media unless they're willing to pay twenty five pounds a year. But that is uh, a discussion maybe for, for for another day. Gary, on Thursday, we travel five and a half hours to Armenia. Um, I said on the previous show that we did earlier in the week that this would have been probably my ideal European away trip. Former Soviet bloc, middle of nowhere, very cheap pints. Would have been spectacular. Did you see anything? Obviously, we 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 win the home leg 1-0, go down to 10 men in the first half, come out, very strong second half performance, I thought. Um, We'd we'd hoped maybe for more of a cushion so we can rest players ahead of the Old Firm. We haven't got that cushion. We've got one goal lead that, that, that we take out to Armenia. But did you see anything in that first leg to concern you that that the second leg could could give us some trouble?
2: I'd say most of the stuff I was concerned with was came for ourselves. Certainly not for for that team. As I say, I think we've always got a kind of mistake in us. So the one goal isn't going to do us. I don't think, I think we need to go over them and score. And it doesn't help that we've not got our away goal anymore. Uh, certainly the, 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 the best thing is that we seem to play better when we went down to 10 men we're all to roll up your sleeves and to me that's a good sign
0: Yeah, I think you're right how would you approach this game as you say we, a one goal lead's not going to be enough so I, I would agree we probably need to, to, to go and score um, but a long way to travel apparently it can reach up to sort of 40 degrees at, over there at the moment um, how do you approach a tie like this? just
2: what to win. I'd play my strongest team eh, or the team that's, that he believes is our strongest team at the moment and then get the result. Uh, uh, hypothetically, if we went 2-3 up, then take players off and worry about Celtic. But I'd say wait, we need to win win this game first and then worry, worry about Celtic after that. Yeah.
0: And and what impact, Gary, do you think that the return of Glenn Kamara to European football could have? I think he's
2: massive. I, I think he's... Uh, probably our best player uh, in the field team and I I know I said earlier uh, John was saying earlier about Morelos us building our team around them which I totally agree with but uh, Glenn Kamara I I just think he's class I I think he's the one player that could go into an English top five team and and, and be a standout I think in the Euros uh, playing for Finland he never had a bad game It was absolutely awesome and I'm I'm very surprised that our team's never came in for him I'm happy very happy but uh, him being in that team to me makes us better
0: yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. and Like I said earlier, it's a real shame that he was unavailable for, for the Malmo games. Certainly
2: for the reasons he was suspended, it was absolutely shocking.
0: Like a, a disgrace. John, kind of the real devil's advocate question, and, and every time we ask a question like this on the show, the, the answer is always, you play your strongest team, you, you play the team that's going to beat the challenge in front of you, and you don't worry about the game after that. However, the game after this, coming tie on Thursday is the first old firm of the season. Celtic have started, uh, maybe not started the season well, but the, their form in the last th- three weeks or so has has been strong. Um, they put six goals past St Mirren yesterday, admittedly St Mirren down to, to 10 men very early on. Um, yes, we play our strongest side. Yes, we pick the team that wins this challenge and then we worry about Celtic after after Armenia. But surely the management team have, have one eye on next Sunday. How do you think that that, Affects the preparation and the selection for Thursday's game. I don't think it makes the slightest
1: difference to the selection. You know, I, I think I'm going to give the boring answer and say yes. You pick, we pick our strongest team. This the Thursday's game is more important than Sunday's, and I, I say that because you know qualifying for the Europa League at this stage I think is is vital. Um, the league it's it's only the only be the fourth fourth match in the league. You know, the league's a marathon; it's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. You know and we can you know if we if the worst if you know, if we lose next sunday the league's not over it gives them a shot in the arm the media will go wild um but the league is not over last season and this i think is important because i think I'll, there's a there's a generation of rangers fans who've basically grown up and never seen us win the league until last season it's the first time they ever saw us win the league or remember seeing us win the league that's not last season wasn't normal you know you don't normally win the league in march that's not how it usually works. Normally, you know, there's at least two teams, and it's usually us and it's usually them, and we're competing right to the very end. You know, and I've, you know, and we we all, if we weren't actually there and don't remember them, we're certainly read about them. Game, you know, leagues that went right to the very end, like literally the last game of the season, um, and that's normal in our league. Last season wasn't normal. Okay, that's not normal, right? Celtic are going to put up a challenge this season, and. know we need to accept that i don't think celtic have become world beaters overnight they've got a new manager in. he's managed to give them a bit of confidence he's managed to give them a bit of belief he's got the good players playing right they still have a defense made of wet cardboard and you know you know let's not pretend otherwise you know they are they are not they haven't turned into world beaters overnight they've become a better team and they'll give us a bit a harder game and you know whatever the result of that game is it won't define the season it won't change the season winning or or losing on Thursday night will have a far far bigger impact on our season both financially and also for prestige you know i mean the europa league has been a, a tournament we've all enjoyed um and i, and I think any manager going into that with one eye I, you know the the management team are looking you know they're looking at players who's going to be ready in 3 weeks time who's going to be ready in 2 weeks time i get all that but the management team's focus as of five o'clock today it's thursday and thursday only and then you know there's no point in making plans for sunday because who knows what will happen on thursday you know who's going to pick up a knock you know who's you know there's clearly issues in the squad just now you know that the bench looked a little bare today i thought um you know there's clearly issues in the squad you know mclaughlin wasn't even on the bench You know, what's happened to him um, you know, there's, there's there's obviously stuff going on that, that the club are keeping to themselves um, and I'm sure they're doing that for very, very good reasons. Sunday will take care of itself. It's at home. You know, and, and, and I'm I'm a little frustrated that Rangers supporters are, are getting a bit nervous about this. You know what? This is reality. Reality is Celtic are a hard team to beat. They, you know, Celtic will always have a good team. Celtic will always give us a game and sometimes... They'll, they'll come out on top. Um, but over the piece, we come out on top more often than that because we have to win with the right mentality. And the right mentality is win Thursday and Sunday then we'll take care of itself.
0: Does any of that get tempered by the the, the fact that we will be playing, as I say, 40 degree heat up to 11 hours worth of, worth of travelling? Does that impact on this at all? Or, or is it...
2: It varying?
1: impacts in terms of... Impact in terms of the preparation for Thursday's game. You know, in the end, a, you know, five-hour flight. Um, you know, I, I looked at the weather... I knew you were... We obviously had the, the, the agenda, so I knew you were going to ask. The weather forecast for Thursday currently in, in, in Yerevan, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, is for a high of 30. Um, so I suspect by whatever, 8 o'clock in the evening or whatever time the game's kicking off, local time, 6 o'clock or whatever, it's going to be, you know, high 20s. So it, it, that's not going to be a huge amount of fun to play in. Um, it certainly should give them something of an advantage, I suspect. The fact that it's at home will give them an advantage, but they've not got a big support. They're not, they're not a particularly well-liked team from what I can gather. They're, they're a kind of funny team. Um, they're a bit of Livingston about them with a bit of money behind them, and, and but not many fans. Um, so, uh, yeah, you know, it, it will make a difference. And there will be players who will be... You know, I don't know if our flight, you know, takes off, you know, at eleven o'clock local time after the match and and head straight home. We'll have players who will be tired. You know, we will have players going into Sunday's game that it won't be the best preparation. But losing on Thursday will be even worse preparation for Sunday. You know, so what's important is those players go into that game with a spring in their step and and you know still to get a game midweek and that's no gimme either. Um, yes, it's a considerably shorter flight. Yes, it's not going to be in thirty degree heat, but you know, they, a lot can happen in football in a week. Um, let's see. If, you know, we have a big enough squad. We should be able to put a team out on on Sunday um, and a team out on Thursday that can win both those games because they're both winnable games.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right, and that, that's such a good point that losing the game on Thursday, being knocked into the Europa Conference League, that is worse preparation. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, so yeah, and, and I think, I think as a fan base, probably take the emotion. It's impossible to take the emotion out of an old front tie. Um, particularly the first old front tie with fans back in the stands. Uh, and uh, obviously quite interesting because no Celtic fans will be present as well, which uh, kind of adds another dimension to, to it. But, um, I, I think we would all kind of agree with that the arithmetic of that, that in terms of finances, in terms of, the rest of the season that Thursday's game is more important Sunday's game is more emotional and yeah. uh, but, but that's that's the management's job isn't it is to to, to, to do the maths on that and realise that we do not compromise on Thursday for the sake of the emotion of the following game right I think that that takes us very very nicely to the the top of the hour and so it's probably a good place for us to end it there as I say there will be preview shows looking we'll ahead of to the Alex Kirk game on, on Thursdays we'll probably do that Wednesday night And uh, a preview ahead of the first old firm of the season. So please do make sure you join us for for those. And if you can't join us live, they will, of course, be available for download as well. I'd like to say a massive thank you to John and and to to Gary as well, who's, uh, as I say, joined us for the very first time and uh, I'm sure he will be warmly invited back. Um, A massive thank you as well to everyone who's joined in with the questions and the comments on the YouTube stream. Uh, And as I say, the, the show will always be available for download uh, on a Monday morning. The show will be back uh, after all the previews we will be back next Sunday. Colin will be in the hot seat and myself as a guest uh, looking back at the Irish Care game looking back at the Celtic game so please do join us for that. That's next Sunday the 29th of August uh, at 9.30pm. Please do head over to the website in the meantime at chairsnet.co.uk and get involved in the very friendly discussion forum. Until next time, thank you so much for listening and have a great week.